Hello Rob and hello everyone. Uh, last time we were talking about uh, the body and the sensations and breathing and some, some ways that, that we can help our children regulate, ourselves regulate. But really important to understand what's going on in our bodies, for our children to understand what's going on in our bodies. And uh, one of the things that came up for me was, I remember with, with Caleb, I, um, he was really nervous about a gala, a swimming gala that was coming up. And uh, he um, he was really worried about it and worried about participating in it. And I had read somewhere that, um, you know, anxiety is also energy. And, it, and so I said to him, well, Caleb, why don't you see if you can use that energy, uh, which is your anxiety, your your anxiousness and and use it to to harness it to swim you know as fast as you can and he came after the gala to tell me how how like excitedly he came to tell me how um he had swum so much better he had he had swum faster and it was just such a wonderful experience for him yeah i just wondered your thoughts on that rob that's a great story Stu, and wonderful that uh caleb again has that experience um uh, to me, there's a lot in that story. Um, it goes partly to the point I was making in the last episode around, um, if you like, the difficulty of or impossibility of taking nervousness or anxiety completely away. So let's say that, you know, you try to help Caleb to become unanxious, no longer nervous. Wow, that would have been tough. And I would say just about impossible. Um, and also maybe even the wrong goal to pursue because one of the things that I'm really wanting for kids to learn is to accept anxiety, to accept the feelings. There's a real problem if we get anxious about being anxious. If we, when we feel the first prickles of anxiety, we start to get that dread, oh no, I'm feeling anxious. And when we start to equate anxiety with non-performance, so this means that I either can't do it, or if I try to do it, it will go badly. So we become, if you like, catastrophic about the symptoms of anxiety. And one of the things that you did with that, um, that, 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 that experience with Caleb, is you helped him to accept the feeling and not to make it into something completely bad. You know, that, oh my word, you can't have this feeling. Well, guess what? I've got it, so it's too late. What do I do with it, though? And by relabeling it, if you like, as a kind of an energy, I think that you helped Caleb to actually do something different with the physiological feeling that was, was already there. So partly it implies acceptance. This is not good. But here you go, it is what it is. You can actually still do something. This is not something that's more than you. You can use this energy. Um, and I remember at least one piece of research that's shown that when we translate anxiety in that kind of positive way, um, that our body actually listens and starts to channel it in a, a, a more, if you like, determined goal-oriented way. So it's almost, if you like, going from nervous to determined, um, nervous to focused. Um, yes, the nerves are there, but here's the thing. I've got a job to do, and I'm going to do it. 
I'd far rather that a child understands their anxiety that way than that child comes to me and says, I'm anxious and it needs to go before I can actually take another step forward because then I know that um, they're stuck actually. They're waiting for anxiety to disappear from their lives and blow me down, it actually gets worse because now we're in that horrible cycle where we're anxious about getting anxious. I can't proceed when I've got these feelings and that's a bad place for a child to be. You know, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that, that uh, feeling anxious about being anxious is something I would, I would say I've had to think about myself and process myself. And it's actually quite difficult to, to not, not go down those routes. But the one question that comes to mind, you know, it doesn't seem like that approach with someone like Caleb or with a child can work in some situations that that's what it seems like to me or many situations actually so like where there's a there's a physical activity coming up you know you can kind of go you know go for it use that uh, use that energy but now you know maybe a child's anxious about going to school or anxious about a friendship you know it doesn't seem like that's a good way of reframing you know use that anxiety to go to school it, it doesn't doesn't really work you know what are your thoughts on that Rob? Yes, um, I think the thing that I'm wanting a child to know and to actually, when I say no, I want them to feel it. Um, so the nice thing is that Caleb actually felt this. He's now got a body memory of having done something with the feeling of nervousness or anxiety. And I'm wanting people to have that. So a typical example would be a person who is anxious about tests or exams and that can get really really tough people can really um, become disorientated and and stuck in terms of test or or exam anxiety now as you rightly say you're going to use energy differently in a gala than with academic work but here's the thing and it's crucial for kids to learn this that adrenaline or anxiety can't stop them from thinking it can't actually stop them from applying their academic minds. It can certainly run interference, but as that child learns ways of containing, not eradicating, but containing the feeling of anxiety, nervousness, and tension, and realize that their minds are more than that, that they can still apply their minds to a maths problem or a talk that they have to give in class or for us some performance related issue at work we can still do it even though we've kind of got the shakes going on inside it's a liberating thing um, and I want all of us to have that it's almost if you like not so much that the person is unanxious and 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 no longer has um, any problems with worry or nerves or adrenaline but rather that they find strength in the middle of all of that so I guess it's about kids learning over and over again especially in today's times what does it mean to go from truth to strength truth to strength the truth is I'm anxious what does a strong response look like in this moment and for lots of kids it's about still pitching up at school going through the day or maybe engaging in social spaces where they do get anxious still being friendly likable engaging sticking close to their values even though times are tough and I think to be honest for all of us at the moment I would be saying to South Africans in particular now's not the time really to try and be happy or to long for the days when we were all happy 
and to, if you like, grieve for those days. Now is the time to find strength in difficult moments and let happiness take care of itself because certainly, again, bouncing back to our kids, when they find this ability to be to go from truth to strength, well, happiness is going to happen anyway in the in-between spaces when they're not looking for it. They're going to actually find, you know what, I was brave in this moment and then I kind of forgot about it and um, uh, my friend and I actually had fun. So the fun comes through, bubbles through anyway once our kids have almost started to accept difficulty but find strength in those difficult moments. Great stuff, Rob. And uh, maybe I could give you a very practical something and throw it at you and ask you what, what you would do. So let's say you've got a kid sitting here with you and that child gets very anxious about speaking in class or, you know, or doing an oral or, or something like that. You know, what would, what would you say to that child? And I'll, I'll tell you what I've heard from adults and children, actually, um, when, when people get anxious is that I hate it. I hate, I hate it. I, you know, I, like I just hate that that's, that's what happens, you know, and, and, and I start getting this or that or, you know, what, what do you say? Well, again, and here I'm only sticking at the physical level. We'll get onto other elements of anxiety next time. But it is noxious. I said in the last episode that the experience of anxiety at the physical level is ghastly. Um, so it is, if you like, hateful. It isn't pleasant. Um, I'm partly smiling at the moment, though, because I often find that people tell me that they hate things. But the things we hate are normally things we're scared of, <laughs> things that actually make us feel afraid. And then we hate those things. So what I, what, I, what I sometimes do when young people talk to me about hating public speaking, as I say, is because it's scary for you. And then again, what I want to do, going back to what we discussed la, uh, an episode or so ago, is that there's a logic there. I work out with them why it is so scary. And oftentimes, they're jolly good reasons. If you go at anxiety logic, maybe it's that they'll make a fool of themselves, say something stupid. Uh, their friends will judge them, um, you know, they'll never forget and they'll be teased mercilessly afterwards and all of these fears that anxiety kicks up. And when you go to the logic of that, of, of that worry logic, it makes perfect sense why they're terrified. And yet, and yet, I want to say to them, you know what, eh? at the moment, this, this fear has got you by the throat. This fear is bossing the living daylights out of you and is actually um, cordoning off a part of your world and saying to you that you can't do this. And I want to tell you that although your body does goes through all of those horrible experiences, you can do this. You can. But it's going to be potentially one of the more difficult things you've ever done. Here's the thing, though. The more you do it, the better you'll get. And although you may never like public speaking, I can show you how to do it because you're going to need that at some, some stages of your life. So I don't want young people or old people to allow anxiety to give the impression that um, do not enter, you may not go here. Because I feel like if we do that, then anxiety starts to take more and more of our lives without us realizing. So I'm wanting to say to that child, this is a horrible feeling. When it happens, what will you do? What will you remember? What kinds of physical adjustments can you make? Not to make the feeling go away, but to keep your head above water. And there are things that people can do. 
um, to cope with moments like that and to practice it, um, to, to get good at their talk, do it over and over again, to imagine the audience in front of them, imagine folk looking up at them, but still to say their talk. Um, and um, I know because many young people have come back and said, oh, Rob, it was terrible. But you know what? I did it. Eh? And there's a certain victory in that that they own for the rest of their days. So what I'm hearing from you is is actually the story of being, even if you know you are shaking, even if you are tearing up as a child or whatever it is, uh, the story of being able to still do it amongst those those feelings and possibly Rob there's also a level of what is possible and what isn't possible as in to push yourself to do something can sometimes is too much but but little steps matter. that's very true so if I'm working with someone whose anxiety is really bad um, what I look for is I look to see do they, do they go through flows of being dysregulated to regulated just in their natural course of the day? Um, if it was my child, I'd look to see he, he may well be distressed at the moment that he approaches a challenge, but for the rest of the day, is he okay? And is he sleeping at night? You know, Is he okay or is he really completely thrown? So if a person is flooded, and certainly a child, if I can see, look, this is just too big for them, then I'm going to start to manage it differently. Um, if, if I don't think that they have the capacity to cope. What I look out for there, again, is whether or not the child is mostly okay through the course of the day, but for the moment that they have to engage with this challenge. That tells me that they're not completely flooded, not completely overwhelmed, and so, um, you know, we can go forward with that challenge. The more, the more overwhelmed the child is, the more I'll break the challenge down. So if it's a school avoidance or a problem like that, maybe they go until first break or there's particular ways of breaking that challenge down so that the child thinks, okay, this part I can do. Um, and again, at the physical level, I'm looking to see, does the child through the, through the course of the day look regulated, look calm enough, look happy enough? Is he or she able to play if they're still young? Are they still engaging with friends? Are they sleeping through the night? Are they eating? In other words, they, they're not in a bad way. For a child in a bad way, I'm going to need to break the challenge down. But again, as you can hear me saying, it's not that I want the challenge to go um, because that's, that's a problem. Um, I don't like to take the challenge away completely. Um, if at all possible, I'll break it down into more doable steps. This is such good stuff, such important stuff, Rob. And um, it's great to great to chat about it. And maybe we'll keep chatting about it in the, the ones ahead. <laughs>